Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to the MMA Fan Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Stu and Blake. Right, quickly, before we get on with the episode, we've got an announcement. The MMA Fan Podcast is now sponsored by Free Train. Blake, what's Free Train? Free Train is a fantastic company that do these amazing vests for when you run, when you train. Whether you're going for a run or hitting the bag, you can keep your phone close to your chest. And uh, yeah, they're brilliant. They've got a little pocket for your keys. You know more or do you need to have your phone rumbling around in your pocket or at an awkward angle on your arm or anything like that. You've got the vest on. Phones there, easy access to it. They do some great uh, gloves as well to keep your hands warm and be able to touch the phone and everything. It's all linked up with your phone. So, yeah, they're a fantastic brand. A couple of pockets for your keys. Everything you need when you go for a run or if you're hitting the bag training. And you're not just saying this for the sake of it. Before they even become our sponsors, you had one of these vests, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah, I've, well, I've still got it. I run with it all the time. But yeah, before they became our sponsors, I had one of these vests. They are genuinely brilliant. I really like them. And uh, yeah, I'm really pleased they're our sponsor. And if you want one, if you head over to freetrain.com, when you go shopping and you put all your stuff in your in your basket, just before you check out, if you put in the code MMAFAN, you'll save yourself 10%. Don't say we don't spoil you here on this podcast. 10% off an amazing vest from Free Train. www.freetrain.com. All right, let's get on with the show. Sorry to interrupt the podcast, but we've got another sponsor to tell you about. Phil Supreme. They're a nationally recognized brand who offer only the very highest quality of natural supplements. Their extensive range includes a range of medicinal mushrooms, nootropics, anti-aging products, gut support products, green powders, vitamins, and much more. Yep, they've worked with fighters from all the top promotions, including UFC, Bellator, Brave, and Cage Warriors, with a solid reputation of providing results. So check them out on Instagram, which is at Phil underscore Supreme or their website, www.philsupreme.co.uk, and make sure you use the code MMAFAN for a cool 15% off your first order. Don't say we don't spoil you. Hello, and welcome to the MMA Fan Podcast. It's UFC 265 post-show, recorded the morning after the, the big event. Obviously, sitting opposite me today, Blake Harrison. Good morning. Morning, mate. How are we? I'm all right. I'm all right. Did you uh, stay up for it last night? 
Well, technically, I, I didn't. I was. I had my uh, my second Pfizer jab on right. Friday and was feeling a not too bad, but a little bit rough on mm. Saturday. And then uh, I, I so I went to bed thinking oh, I'm just I'm just going to get up in the morning and watch it. Mm-hmm. And a car alarm went off at four a.m. And I was like, oh, fuck it. Go on then. I'll, I'll get up for it. So I went downstairs at about 20 past four or whatever and watched it from j- just basically just as they were chatting to, uh, to Luke after his right. win. That's when I started watching it. Okay. Like, yeah. just... Just watch it or get involved. I don't know. What do you do? Uh, well, I think what you're alluding to, Stu, is that I I may have put a little tweet into the ether, you know, not necessarily expecting too much, just going, you know, world, these are my thoughts on the upcoming bantamweight clash between Munoz and Aldo. Mm. And lo and behold, on that bottom left of the old screen Rooney. Was yours truly's tweet popped up there like a phoenix from the ashes? Yeah, in all its glory, in front of a worldwide audience, my thoughts on the UFC broadcast. Mm. So, what I think this ultimately means is I've made it in life, <laughs> and every other human being that hasn't been. On yeah. the bottom left of that screen during a UFC broadcast, I'm now better than them. Yes, that's that's yes. that's what that means. Yeah. So yeah, you know, I mean, there's things in life that you just never forget. And you know, if I had like a list of you know the best things that ever happened to me in my life, mm-hmm. you know, number three, probably like becoming a dad. Mm-hmm. Number two, scoring that. Winning penalty at Soccer Aid in front of eighty thousand people at the Theatre of Dreams, Old Trafford, securing England. Just to clarify, so that's 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 just above having kids, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. So right, three, okay. three. Just to clarify, three's kids. Yep. Two, winning penalty at Soccer Aid, securing England their you know la- latest you know yep. major yep, trophy course, yeah. in any footballing tournament. And then now number one, Wedding the day. new number one spot is my tweet on the UFC broadcast. <laughs> So that's that's how that works. One, two, and three. In that order, oh. UFC broadcast, soccer aid, having kids. That's that's how that works. Do you want me to be perfectly honest with you about this, right? I, I think it's brilliant that you've concocted some elaborate story where you obviously went and kicked your neighbour's car just for an excuse to get out of bed. Um, <laughs> but uh, I missed it. And I'm not just trying to rain on your parade. I didn't see it. And this morning... I, I got that feeling because I would have expected some kind of message from you. Of and course, I didn't get of it. And course. I was kind of gutted. I would have been really excited and I would have messaged you, of course. Uh, and I would have been obviously ridiculously jealous. Um, but I missed it. Uh, and this morning I, I was recording something with, with, with um, uh, one of the gang, Scroobius Pip, uh, on his podcast. And we was obviously having a chat about the fights. And, uh, and he went, got his tweet up, didn't he? I was like, what? And he <laughs> went, yeah, I was like, when? And I presumed it was on the one fight that I've not watched yet, which we'll get to. Uh, and no, it was, it was on the Aldo fight, apparently. It was on the co-main event of the <laughs> evening. Not just any old little prelim. Yeah. The co-main event of the evening. 
just as you were watching Pedro Munoz and just as they were about to announce Jose, the king of Rio Aldo, Blake Harrison 23 from Twitter. My little gormless mug. I've got to adjust my settings on Zoom to widescreen to get your fucking head in the shot. Um... So, I mean, you've had a good day, right? Because not only did you get your tweet uh, on the UFC, and obviously, uh, banter aside, how fucking cool is that? That's yeah, so pretty, cool, I mean, man. It's ridiculous, isn't it? That's pretty amazing. <laughs> I was I was properly chuffed. Like, yeah. I, I know we've been mucking about it, we've been joking, but no, I was genuinely really chuffed with it. But you'd also done some work for the UFC yesterday, right? Yeah, it's so another what was that amazing like? thing. Again, right, we've so not spoke about this, so I'm, 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 I'm all it, ears. Yeah. So, uh, no, so uh, the it, it, it was only on Facebook or whatever, but, you know, start small. Yeah, it, it was um, on the uh, the UFC Facebook page. They do a fight day focus with John Gooden, former guest of our show, John Gooden, mm-hmm. uh, hosting it. And he has a couple of guests on to discuss the fights that are taking part, uh, place that night. And he had Paul Craig, another guest of our show. We've recently released an episode mm-hmm. with, with Paul Craig, like heavyweight contender in the UFC. And uh, yours truly, giving their opinions on what they thought was going to go down on UFC 265. So again, yeah, just just ridiculous, really. And, and John's lovely. Paul's super nice, as anyone that's listened to our podcast with those guys mm. would know. And all of the, the kind of guys setting it up as well, Gary and John, they were shout out to Gary and John. Uh, who I never saw because they never put their cameras on, but I did hear them and they had lovely voices. Um, and yeah, and they were they were brilliant. Honestly, it was and it was just it was over before you know it type thing. You kind of get into the swing of talking about it and you start because I was a little bit nervous. I thought it was going out live. It didn't go out live, but I thought right. it was going out live and I was a little bit cacking my pants. But you uh, bossed it, mate. You come across oh, really thanks, well, man. Like, oh, you, thank you, you. It really did. Obviously, if you would have made a mistake and slipped up, I would have pointed that out straight away. Uh, but you didn't. Like uh, I thought you, you bossed it, mate. Thanks very much. And I was correct in a couple of my predictions as well, which we will get onto okay. in this show. Okay. Well, in regards to today's show, let's. Um, there's a lot to talk about on the main card, and obviously we don't want to go too far over the hour. So should we pick a couple of fights from the... Um, the prelims, and, and and obviously we can work our way through the results of the fights, yeah. but obviously let's get to the main car. But um, I'll kick things off, if you don't mind, um, early on. Go for it. Um, I really liked the, the Carolina Penn fight. Yeah? Yeah? Um, what did you like about it? I just thought Penn looked terrifying. I thought she looked really, really strong. You know, Carolina's absolutely no joke whatsoever. And, and I th- you know, there's... Penn's had a, a, a you know had, had a, a bit of time off recently, hadn't she? And let me just check when her. Yeah, and I believe it's Penne, just so you know, just like like the pasta. Um, right. It is Penne. Um, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm but, glad um, I didn't say that on Facebook Live with UFC. Yeah. <laughs> so she hadn't. I mean, she, she that that's her, her second fight since 2017. Yeah, so, she's had about um, three years off. I think there was uh, some. COVID problems with some opponents. I think she got injured with some opponents. I don't know if there was anything else mixed in there as well. But, yeah, three years off, and then she's come back with two wins, which is great. Yeah, and, and I thought, yeah, it looked absolutely solid. And, uh, obviously, she's got some losses on her record. But when you look at the losses on that record, Andrade, uh, Joanna, uh, and Esparza, like, the best in the world. And so yeah. she's got, you know, and to come back now on a winning streak too. 
two winning streaks. Um, so, yeah, be interested to see what's next. I think she's uh, she looked absolutely solid last night. Well, yeah, I hope she gets a ranked opponent next, just because I know she's only on a two-fight win streak and draw away is a really stacked division. But I think, if I'm not mistaken, I maybe should get it up just to check. But I think she's about 39. You know, she's not... Well, yeah, it says here... She says she's 38, but... I mean, I think she'll be 39 soonish, and I think that, um, you know, she's not got a huge amount of time left, and she's a big name, you know. She was out for a few years, not totally her fault. Um, so I'd like them to kind of just throw her in and, and get her a ranked opponent somewhere in the top 15, maybe. But, um, yeah, that's what I hope happens for her, because she did look good. Kovalkiewicz, on the other hand, is on, I think, a five-fight losing streak now. Yeah, it's that's, not looking great, is it? It's not looking great. I don't think she's a spring chicken anymore either, if I can be so rude. Mm. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I, I, I wonder if she might end up getting cut, which is sad to say, and I never want to say that about someone, and I, I, you know, I hope they get to continue their career in, in whatever fashion that they want to. But a five-fight losing streak in the UFC, if you're not a big, big name. In that stack division. Yes, it doesn't. And she's fought for a belt before as well. Mm-hmm. So you'd imagine that it's like, even though her wages aren't going to be that big, they're not going to be as small as some of the younger people around her kind of ability level and sort of kind of rankings within that unranked section if you get my drift so i wouldn't yeah. be surprised if they cut her loose which would be sad for her um maybe she can go on and get some more money elsewhere maybe maybe there's some money for her over in in a bellator or uh you know one or or any of those things or maybe even in like the ksws of the world or or something like that those kind of polish uh promotions maybe there's something there for her but uh it's not looking good for her well, just to touch on um, other fighters that are, are, are maybe not spring chickens, uh, we, we've got a shout out Ed Herman, um, forty years of age uh, now, uh, twenty five and fifteen, uh, just flicking through uh, his opponents. I mean, he has earned his stripes. He's fought the best of the best, and uh, and has got you know some legit wins like. Um, but I think the fight he got put in last night oh, it was just different level. I thought. Yeah, he, he, yeah, maybe it was his age. Maybe it's Menafield's ability. He looked second best, and I mean, I, he those leg kicks were so nasty, and the lump that he got on his shin was so bad. I think Bilal Muhammad put out a tweet saying he's grown a calf on his shin. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> which was pretty funny, but it was bad. And you could tell he was really like, the doctor came in to check on him before the start of round yeah. three. And he was bouncing around. I mean, tough as, as anything. I mean, mm. to, to just be banning around, no, I'm fine. No worries. No problem. And it was clear that the leg was really, really bad. Yeah. And I don't know if you noticed this, but at the start of round three, he had to attempt to touch gloves with Menafield three times. He was just kind of slapping the air because he couldn't stand properly. So they went to touch gloves and they missed twice. So they touched gloves like three times because he kept just missing. Right. Uh, I mean, yeah, maybe. Uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. It was the leg kicks that that absolutely, you know, determined where that fight was going and and, and was the, the, the key factor to 
to, to, to both performances. And, and yeah, we're seeing more and more of it now, aren't we? Like the, the, the leg kicks and the calf kicks are just absolutely just de- destroying fighters at the moment. Well, that's what Rogan tweeted. Rogan said that, uh, you know, the calf kicks are, are changing the game. Um, but then, I mean, I've heard other people say, and it'd be interesting because uh, we're going to have, I don't know if we're allowed to say, we're going to have a Muay Thai specialist on soon. Uh, yes. I don't know. I don't want to say too much. I don't know what we're allowed to say. Um, but we're going to have a Muay Thai specialist on soon. And I believe I want to talk to them about this because in Muay Thai, you don't get the calf kicks in the same way because it seems like people know how to defend them properly. Mm. So you feel like there's going to be an evolution within MMA that either people learn to defend these properly, maybe you'll get a few more leg breaks, which I hope doesn't happen for the safety of the fighters and stuff, but maybe you will because people are defending them properly and that will put people off uh, doing the calf kicks. Um, But the other thing that, that Dan Hardy put out a while back was that the next evolution he thinks we'll see in MMA is people that switch stances regularly. Like if you are just an orthodox or just a southpaw fighter in five years' time, he thinks you're going to be a bit of a relic and you know, you're going to have to, because of the way these calf kicks are going, you're going to have to be able to fight well from both stances, which is a really interesting uh, theory. And maybe Dan Hardy's right about that as well. So that'll be an interesting one to keep, keep the eye on and, and how people deal with the calf kicks going forward, because they are becoming really problematic for fighters. And when we get onto the main card, like the, 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 the kind of Muay Thai style, I think we saw the pros and cons of it in uh, the main card, which I, I, I want to talk about uh, when we get on to that. But um, I guess you're going to want to talk about Raphael and Bobby, right? Oh, yeah, boy. So this is the one I've not seen yet. Oh, you idiot. This is the best <laughs> fight. This is the fight of the night. Like It wasn't only like my fight of the night, but it has officially been given the fight of the night bonus by it, Dana White right. and the guys at the UFC. It was an absolute corker from start to finish. I thought Aldo Munoz would be the fight of the night. This was the fight of the night. It was just all out action and entertainment as well. Like Bobby Green at one point sort of running away from Fazeev and Fazeev kind of chasing him down, like doing a ooh kind of face. There's a great like little picture of it online at the moment. It was brilliant. They were throwing bungalows at each other, it seemed. It was just like amazing it was a really really brilliant fight um and the entertainment value bobby green was talking to him in there fazib was talking back and it it seemed that the the first two rounds fazib won they were relatively close but fazib i think won both those rounds and then round three bobby green really came back and i think won that round maybe the clearest of any of the rounds but obviously there's only one round one round when uh, fazib had won two so i thought the decision was absolutely right there was a 30-27 from what I remember on the scorecards, which I'm like, I don't get that at all. Bobby Green, I think, clearly won that third round. But it also made me think, gosh, if that was a five-round fight, yeah, Fazeev looked like he was really slowing down, really getting tired, and Bobby Green was not tiring at all. He was there, and he was going for it, and it was an absolute cracker of a fight. You have to go and watch that one. Yep, it's it's uh, it's, it's it's on the agenda for today. Um, and Fazeev, nah... Four-fight winning streak. Four-fight winning streak. I would say 
he should fight a ranked opponent, but you probably don't know this. He's called out Hasbalah. <laughs> really? You know, the little guy from yeah. the, uh, the meet, he called him out. <laughs> he said, you know, the money fight is Hasbalah. Come and fight me. <laughs> Absolute legend. I think Hasbalah might have responded as well. Oh, oh so that's wonderful. That's absolutely brilliant. So he's there. He's put on a fight of the night performance. He could be calling out any ranked guy in the lightweight division. You know, four fight win streak, entertaining fighter. He's guaranteed, I think, to get a ranked opponent next. I don't know who that would be. I might have to check out the rankings in a second just to see who I think that will actually be. But he's an absolute legend. Because he's gone, ah, screw that. I'm calling out Hasbalah. And I really hope they make some good stuff happen together. Because that can be some really great content online. Oh, that's wonderful. (laughs) I I tell you what, looking at it, I mean, Thiago Moises, who recently got beat by um, Islam Makachev, is ranked 15th. Maybe that's a great way to go for for Ziv. Yeah, I, I... I would just go for that many. The only reason I'm sort of keeping him away from Brad Riddell is I quite like Brad Riddell and I like Fazib, so I don't really want them to fight because I'd like to see both of them move up a little bit. But uh, I think Thiago Moises could be a good shout. They're on a similar kind of pathway because Moises only fought recently against Makachev. It's a very different fight. He's not going to get laid on by Fazib. You know, he's going to be using his... uh, Fazib's obviously much more of a striker. So, yeah, why not do that? Should we um, step up to the main card? Let's step it up. I mean, it started strong, I thought. Um, yeah, Song versus Kenny, I thought, wonderful fight. Yeah, did you have any dispute with the decision? Because I didn't, but Casey Kenny clearly did. Yeah, he was not a happy jump. And and I, I thought it was, I thought the decision was right. I thought Kenny fought really well. Uh, and he was very aggressive. But... I just didn't think he was quite as. I don't think the shots were as accurate, um, and I, I just thought Song fought a better fight. Yeah, I agree. I thought Song, particularly, I think maybe the first two rounds, I, from what I remember, I think he he won that fight relatively clearly. I mean, don't get me wrong; like it wasn't like he didn't steamroll him or anything, but I thought he clearly won that by decision. And the funny thing was, you've then got Casey Kenny. Talking to Uriah Faber as if he's won the fight, being like, hey, you got one left. You got one left, Uriah, me and you, let's go. And Uriah's there like, mate, you just lost that fight. I don't know what you're talking about. Am I right in saying when they announced it, Kenny then climbed the octagon? Yeah, but he climbed the octagon straight after the fight with his hands in the air as if to say like he'd won. Then afterwards, once they announced that Song won, he did that thing where he's kind of like, sort of shrugging his shoulders and looking around at everyone as if like, as if, what what the hell is this craziness? And then climbed the octagon and put his hands in the air as if yeah. to say, you know who won that fight or whatever. And I'm like, mate, Song Yudong won that fight. Like, it was a weird reaction. I mean, the thing is, in his defense, it must be really difficult to be in a fight. It's a situation neither of us have been in, so we can't comment too much. But that that thing of being in a fight and sort of judging it as you're in it. Like, it must be impossible to do. I kind of think, unless it's really obvious, I don't think any fighter should get too upset unless your corner is filling your head with nonsense and saying to you, we've won round one, we've won round two, just stay safe in round three or anything like that. And then you lose. You'd probably be looking at your corner going, what are you doing? Like, I could have gone harder or I could something like that. That maybe makes sense. 
But if you're just judging this fight for yourself and saying, I'm winning this fight, I think that's a really dangerous game to play because it, it, I just don't see how it's possible to clearly judge a fight whilst you're in it. It just seems like, yeah. Yeah, just a, it must be a really, really hard thing to do. I'm sure some fighters can do it, but I think it must be really hard to do. And it's clearly, has, if that's what he was doing, it's not worked out for him. And hopefully he won't be doing that anytime soon again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I haven't got a lot more to, to add to that. No, no. I mean, we, next up was, uh, was Tisha Torres and Angela Hill. I mean, I, I think like me, you were probably hoping for an Angela Hill win. We've had Angela Hill on the podcast. It was a great episode that we had with her. And, you know, like with any of these things, when you meet these fighters and you interview them and you learn more about them as people and, and as anyone that's listened to this podcast for a while will know, we make a joke of the fact that every time we chat to a fighter, we go, yeah. they were so lovely. They were so nice. And we're not putting that on. We genuinely feel it at that time. So when you meet someone and they're then going into a fight against someone you haven't had on the podcast and you haven't met and chatted with and all that kind of stuff, you are biased. You do yeah. want them to win. You are cheering them on. Uh, but unfortunately, she she didn't really have many answers for Tisha Torres, it seemed. It, it seemed like Torres was just... Too, the commentary was saying she's too quick, it seemed that way, too elusive. So fast. Yeah. So fast. Um, and, and taking nothing away from Angela Hill, she went in there and she does what she does. Uh, and I didn't think her Muay Thai style worked in mm. that fight. I thought... Um, taking nothing away from Tisha Torres, I thought she looked incredible last night. Like, really solid. Everything she threw was precise. She was super, super sharp uh, on her toes. Movement was brilliant. And, yeah, I just think it was way too much for uh, for Angie last night. And I don't think she had many answers for it. And you could tell she looked frustrated as the fight was sort of starting to unfold a little bit. Um, but, yeah. Credit to Tisha. I thought she she sent out a message last night that she she's definitely a problem. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, the one thing again from my armchair fan perspective, when I know so little in reality, as I'm sure a lot of our listeners are are, are feeling. Well, if they were true with themselves, probably not, uh, are that way as well. Um, the advice she was given in her corner by the end, but. Uh, before the start of round three, I thought seemed like good advice and she didn't follow it from what I saw. Again, Remind being, me of the advice. They were calling for takedowns and I know that yeah. that's not traditionally Angela Hill's game, but the most success she had in that whole fight for me was right at the end of round two. She got her down and got yeah. her. Was she even in mount? Yeah. She might have even been in mount at the end of round two. It's just that there was only about 10 seconds left in the round, mm-hmm. so she couldn't do much with it. I think in round one, they might have been clinched up against the fence and she kind of got her down or at least was like pushing her up against the fence. Was doing trying a to tiny get her back, I think. Yeah, so there were a couple of moments where it's like, hang on a minute, you seem to be doing quite well in yeah. the clinch, up against the fence and, you know, in, in the wrestling exchanges, which is surprising because Tisha Torres, I think, by all accounts, is, is, is a good wrestler. Um, so they were calling for the takedown before the start of round three. And I don't remember Angela Hill shooting once during that round. Now, there might be a really valid reason for that. She might have just not been able to find the range or there was no opening or maybe she had an injury. Or I, I don't know. But 
I did find it surprising that they were telling her to go for the takedowns and it didn't look like she attempted one because that's where I thought she was having the most success in the fight. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. Couldn't agree more. It's a shame because, you know, as you said, we can't help but get behind the fighters that we spoke to and uh, and she yeah. was absolutely delightful. But um, it is what it is. And, yeah, she she just had no answers for, for Torres last night. Yeah. She looked, she looked, she looked every bit her name. She was a tiny tornado last night. Absolutely. Um, in ter- I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for, but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. She's calling for a top five opponent. I don't know. I mean, I think Mackenzie Dern and Marina Rodriguez are already booked up. I don't think Yan Janan has a fight, so maybe that's one. Uh, but Tisha Torres is only 10th, so she might have to settle for outside the top five, in which case I'm not sure if Nina Nunes is booked yet. I haven't checked that out. But uh, there's loads of good fights in there for her. You know, Nina Nunes, Yan Janan, if they want to give her someone that high up the pecking order. Um I don't think Joanna Jacek is booked, but I think if I'm Joanna, I'm I'm waiting for a bigger fight than that. I think Joanna should probably should probably be really getting a title shot. I mean, or or even a rematch with Zhang Wei Li because that was such an amazing first fight, and there's there's an argument that Joanna won that fight. So I think a rematch there would be an absolute cracker. From what I can get from Joanna's Instagram, um, I think she's just enjoying a bit of sunshine. Like, she just seems to be doing a bit of, like, like all of these photos, she looks like a model now. It's, like, out there in the sunshine. And, I mean, don't get me wrong. <laughs> She's earned an holiday. But, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think uh, a rematch with Wiley will be incredible. I think that's a great fight. Yeah. That's the thing. Joanna's not had a fight for ages, but we're still talking about her. She is one of the biggest names in that division. Still, I think, one of the biggest names in the UFC. Joanna Jacek is... An absolute legend. Um, and yeah, I, I really hope we do get to see a fight again soon. But moving on, Kiesa mm-hmm. Luque. What were your thoughts on that one? So, 
Kiesa gets Luke in Kiesa's signature move. Yep. Luke gets out of it. And then in Kiesa's domain, stops Kiesa. Yeah. No, I did not see that coming. No, I don't think anyone did. I mean, amazingly, it looked like Kiesa got the better of the striking. He had mm. that lateral movement and popped in with a one-two that got cut under Luke's eye. Yeah. Then went in for a takedown. Brilliant. Got the back. Brilliant. He just couldn't. He was so close. The, 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 he couldn't quite get under the chin. He was Luke on the chin. Luke said eighty percent, didn't he? He said he had did me eighty percent. Yeah. Really well. He. He just couldn't quite get under the chin. It was cranking at the neck and it looked very painful, but he wasn't under the chin. Luke fought it enough to then get up. And it seemed like, I don't know. I mean, was Kiesa complacent in the way he got up? Is that taken away from Luke? I don't know. He locked in that choke really, really well. I think it was a dars. Might be wrong. But um, it seemed just, it seems really surprising that he was caught in that exchange. And maybe that's, what you get when you train regularly with Gilbert Burns. I mean, Gilbert Burns is a high, high, high level, if not maybe the highest level jujitsu guy in the UFC at the moment, now that Damian Meyer's not really doing much anymore. Um, So, yeah, I mean, that Luke pulled it out of the bag and is now on, I think, a four-fight win streak. Um, I think he's won now... 10 of his last 11 fights and the one he lost was Wonderboy. And before that, he got beat by Leon Edwards. So he's definitely up there in the title conversation. Um, I mean, we know that Usman's booked against Colby Covington. I am not a fan of that fight. I don't think Colby's done enough to earn it. All he's done was beat a Tyron Woodley that was, with all due respect to him, not the same guy that Tyron was when he was champion. He'd already been beaten at that point, I think, by uh, by both Usman and Burns in complete shutout fights. Um, mentally, he's admitted that he wasn't quite there. And then Colby comes along and beats him and then goes straight back into a, a title shot. Like, I know Usman's been active and fought Masvidal twice and fought Burns and all that stuff, but Colby's just gone Usman, loss, Woodley, win, back to Usman. And then yeah. you've got poor old Leon Edwards putting together a nine-fight win streak or whatever it was. Then obviously he had the the eye poke with Mohammed. He was supposed to uh, Leon Edwards was supposed to be the one that fought Woodley immediately after Woodley got beat by Usman. Mm. If the pandemic doesn't happen, Leon Edwards probably destroys Tyron Woodley and goes straight into a title shot, much like Gilbert Burns got to do. But it now seems like with the way things played out with Bilal Muhammad, with the way things unfortunately went in that last like minute of the Nate Diaz fight, which has left a real impression in everyone's brains that, oh, if it went on a little bit longer, Leon oh, would have lost that know, fight. It's and, like, so frustrating though, it Blake, is. because, it, you know, that fight should not be defined by that. You know, he got clipped. He didn't get beat. He won that fight by a landslide. Completely dominated Nate for the other rounds and the best part of that round. Yes, he got clipped. He didn't get stopped. He'd done what a champ does and he got through it. And 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 if anything, like that was more on Nate Diaz for standing there and pointing and kind of, you know, joking at the fact that he'd clipped him and not finishing him. Because I do think that finish was potentially there. But it yeah, but credit to Leon and 
I mean, God, we don't need to talk about how unlucky that man is any anymore because you know he's he should be fighting for that belt, and it's it's a just an absolute shambles that it's not happening. And yeah, you know, I don't think any of us have, or many of us have got anything to say about Colby Covington that's positive. No, yeah, you you think of him as a bit of a melt, don't you? It's a total melt, mate. <laughs> I'd really love you to call Colby Covington a melt to his face because he wouldn't know what that means, surely. No. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm all brave now over Zoom. I won't be calling him a melt to his face. I'll be, I'll be, I'll be like Colby. Yeah, do you know what a melt what? is? Because my mate Stu, he's called you a melt. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, look, Dana White in the press conference also, unfortunately, added to. Uh, Leon's uh, woes, I think, by suggesting that he probably should take another fight, uh, which is a shame. He said that in the prayer. He was asked about Leon Edwards and Luke and the situation, and blah, blah, blah. And uh, I think the question was, oh, do you think Leon should be taking another fight? And Dana said it's probably a good idea, given everything that's going on. So who? Dana White said that. No, who, who does Leon fight? Well, I mean, maybe... He fights Luke for a number one contender shot. I mean, I'm sure Leon would be happy to fight Masvidal because there's so much beef there and everything. And um, money. And money. And the money. Um, but yeah, I mean, maybe they'd want to throw him Gilbert Burns. I don't see why he would want to take that fight. Like, why fight Gilbert Burns? You should be getting a title shot. But unfortunately, as we've discussed before, the UFC is not always a meritocracy. It, yeah. You know, trash talking and money making is a lot of what they're about. And that's why Colby Covington can sit on his ass, be a, I don't want to say washed up. It sounds too harsh. We've had Woodley on this show and I really liked him. He was a nice guy. A Woodley that was not anywhere near his prime championship self is who Colby Covington beat. And then he goes straight back into a title shot. Uh, to me, that's just, that's not right. That's not how it should work. Um, and Leon's been there doing what he can. There's been a pandemic. His opponent in Hamzat Shemaev at the time caught COVID, so he couldn't fight. Leon catches COVID, so they couldn't fight. This is just, it's not his fault. These are things that happen. And then the eye poke with Mohammed, these things happen all the time. It's like, yeah. you know, it wasn't intentional. These things happen. And I feel like I could get on this podcast every week and just talk about how sorry I feel for Leon Edwards and how yeah. much I feel like he just deserves that title shot. And that's not to say that I think he's the champion in waiting or that he would beat Usman. Usman seems to be on a different level to everyone at the moment. Yeah. And I think the betting lines would have Usman as a favorite against absolutely everyone. 100%. But, but Leon deserves the shot. And I don't think there's anyone more deserving than him but it seems like the UFC are not necessarily going to give him that shot anytime soon. I read, uh, I read a little statement from uh, Chiesa. Um, he was very, very complimentary and respectful um, for Luque and said that um, he was physically bang on. He said he'd been battling some stuff in his head leading up to this fight, um, but said, uh, I expect to have a few more fights and I'll get back to where I am now. So he he seems positive and uh, and yeah I mean obviously he didn't take much damage in that fight so hopefully we'll see Kiesa back um, uh, back in the octagon pretty soon. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think I read that as well. I, I think Kiesa's looked amazing at 170 pounds. He was clearly killing himself to get down to mm. lightweight. Since moving up, he's been on a four-fight win streak against some decent, decent opponents as well. I mean, RDA, I know he was a lightweight champion and then moved up to welterweight, but he's no mug at welterweight. He was a decent fighter. Yeah. Neil Magny is a top-level, constantly in the top 10, Neil Magny, yeah. and he dealt with him incredibly well. So, yeah, I, I can see Kiesa coming back and doing well. And it's in his favor that he's one of the rare guys in that division that hasn't fought Usman yet. So if he gets two wins against decent opponents, maybe like a, a Wonder Boy or a, I don't know. I don't know who else is maybe kind of slightly behind him in the rankings over in welterweight. But a Wonder Boy fight would be great for him. And I'm sure he'll find himself back in title contention soon. Yeah, yeah. Should we get on to uh, the next one? Oh, this one, yeah. This one oh. was probably my favourite fight. It was uh, mine. Because there was this really great moment just as it was being announced. This little tweet came up. Mm. And it was just so good, wasn't it? Wasn't it good? Um, what you should do is go back and rewatch it just for the tweet. Do you know what? My Zoom's playing up. I- you're breaking up. I can barely <laughs> hear you, mate. <laughs> no, it was a good fight. I, I don't think that this was... Amazingly, I thought this was going to be fighting the night. I still think Fazev and uh, and Green was the best fight. So you do need to go and check that one out. That was a cracker. But if you haven't seen Fazev and uh, and Green, this was the one. Oh, I mean... Whew. Are we looking at a completely new Jose Aldo? Because that man that got in that octagon last night looked incredible. Punches in bunchings and that speed that he was throwing them at was just incredible. The way he rips the body as well. Like you remember oh. what he did to Jeremy Stevens where he just put him down with that kind of liver shot, that yeah. kind of like left uppercut to the body. Uh, oh, yeah. He's just incredible the way he does that. The leg kicks, the way he hits the body, the speed. He's just so compact. You look at his arms. He's so oh, just like this compact, muscly, speedy arm just throwing out at your face. Um, yeah. I, I didn't love think Jose there was Aldo. loads of leg kicks last night. I was expecting more. Uh, and there, yeah, there wasn't. Um, but, I, I, you know, from what I was hearing, he's been training with like the, the, the military, like the really? boxing, like the, is it the Marine Corps boxing uh, is, is where he's been learning, like um, where he's been. I, I imagine that's where he's been throwing, you know, learning these combinations because he wasn't throwing like two shots. Every, it was a jab, but then it was like four or five shots and they were lightning. And, and like you say, yeah. he was going for that body a lot as well. And, you know, your you, you, you real <laughs> basic Muay Thai is a left-right low kick and, and he's the absolute don of that. And And there wasn't loads of it. And... It didn't need it because his hands were just phenomenal and lovely respecting that fight as well. You know, yes. they, they, you know they, they, they both seem to be, you know, enjoying fighting each other. I suppose as that fight went on, Munoz probably a little less. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I thought uh, Munoz really held his own, but just was, yeah, it was, was in a different league last night. Yeah, and we, it, it's constantly mentioned but Jose Aldo's only 34. Yeah. Pedro Munoz is actually two days older than yeah. Jose Aldo. Mm. And that's amazing given everything that he's achieved in his career. I mean, 
It might be miles on the clock in terms of fight years. Maybe he is a lot older. Maybe his body will, you know, is suffering that wear and tear and stuff like that. But it didn't show last night. He really put it to Pedro Munoz. And Pedro Munoz is a great fighter. Like, he's been in the top 10 for a long time. Um, So, yeah, I mean, what's next for Aldo? I think there's a few suggestions out there. Mine is I'd love him to fight Dominic Cruz. Because I do think he needs to get a few wins before uh, going back into a title shot. But I put that out on Twitter and the response wasn't that great for it. Oh, did that one not get on the UFC? That did not. <laughs> it's only the one, you know, just, uh, just baby steps for now. Just the one for now. Uh, I'll be coming for Sean Sheehan soon and uh, just trying to get on there with every fight. Um but uh, but yeah, no, I, I put out Dominic Cruz. I think I still think that's a great fight. I probably would favour Aldo because I think he's got more power than Dominic Cruz. But Cruz has got great movement, and we know that Cruz, uh, you know, he was a one thirty five champion when Aldo was a one forty five champion. I think it's just a super fight, and I, I, I think it'd be a, a absolutely brilliant watch. But a lot of people were saying they'd rather he's fought TJ Dillashaw. Mm. Thoughts. Uh. Me, um, I mean, after we spoke to uh, Pip on our little WhatsApp group following our bantamweight special uh, <laughs> we done last week, which if you haven't listened, we, we, we talk about that division at length and, and all the potential fights. But it would appear that I didn't realise at the time, whatever fight we were speaking, whatever fight we were talking about, one of us would go, yeah, I'd love to see him fight Dominic Cruz. So apparently uh, we've been lining up Dominic Cruz to fight everybody in that division. But I do think that Aldo... Cruz, that's a fight I'd like to see. Aldo Dillashaw, not just yet. Like, um, I, I think that's the that's the super fight, Aldo Cruz, and I'm, I'm all over it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, old critical Pip. I mean, there's a reason we're mentioning Dominic Cruz all the time because either a he's an absolute legend that we want to see fight legends while they still can because he is much older, and b. Um, if you're a younger fighter, you're going to call him out because he's a huge, huge name. So, yeah. Shut and, up, and the, Pip. Yeah, Pip. Yeah, like, Pip. Um, and the, well, the other thing is as well, he's not fought a lot of them legends because obviously Dominic Cruz has been injured for so many years. Yes, you know, and they were been, in different weight classes as well. Yeah. And so now we hope that Dominic Cruz is, is, is fighting fit and some of these fighters are, we, we're saying there, you know, twilight years, like, as we said, like, Jose Aldo, it's not his fault he looks 60. Like, you know, he's, uh, <laughs> you know, he still moves like an 18-year-old and he looked absolutely devastating last night. And, yeah, throw that in an octagon with, you know, Dominic Cruz on his toes, moving around that octagon. I'm all over that fight. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. That's the one I want to see. Mm. I think that uh, Jose needs a few wins before he can go for the belt. I don't think throwing him in with TJ right now is the best. I think also... If anyone should go in with TJ, the person that's really earned it is Francis Rob. Oh. Is... <laughs> no, that TJ's earned a fight with Francis Ngannou, considering what he's done. But uh, I think the person that's earned the TJ fight is probably Rob Font. I agree. Uh, I think Font deserves that more. So I think that would be slightly unfair. But again, in terms of big names and big money... TJ Dillashaw versus Jose Aldo would be an absolutely huge fight. And I wouldn't be surprised yeah. if that did get made. And I think Aldo did call for it in the press conference. I think he was like, yeah, oh. I'll, I'll have a bit of TJ. Uh, so, yeah, so that may very well 
happen, but I'd rather he fought Cruz while he still could. The TJ fight will still be there a little bit further Definitely. down the line. Definitely. Um, go and check out the Bantamweight special. We put it out last last week, I think. So yeah. it's in the archives. Go and give it a listen. And we, we, we look we, we work our way through the top sort of fifteen really and look at all the exciting fights that are you know are to be made in that absolutely cram stacked division. The main big event. one. The big boys. The main event. Uh Lewis V Garn. Now Did I, you did you who did you have? I had Garn, but by decision. I thought he would do what he did to Rosenstrike and Volkov. I thought his movement would be too good and he'd stay away from the power for long enough to just rack up a decision win that, quite frankly, I thought would be quite a, maybe a slightly dull affair, like not the most exciting fight in the world. Um, but, you know, Derek Lewis, it was, it was always going to be a slight coin flip because Derek Lewis only needs one. Yeah. And that's where I was like, oh, you just never, you can never be sure. As much as I thought Garn would win by decision, you're never sure. I didn't necessarily expect Garn to get a TKO victory. No. I, I thought it would be much the same as what you said. I thought Garn would kind of be on his toes, be moving about. And, uh, and then I think I saw it more in the latter rounds that maybe Garn would get a little bit more confident and overcommit. And Lewis, as we've seen so many times, can be like, however many rounds down, and, and, and Lewis will throw a shot, fight's done. Mm. Uh, I kind of thought that might happen. And for the whole of that fight, I was just thinking, he's going to get caught. He's going to get caught. And it's the same with when, when you watch Francis fight. It's heavyweights for you. It's so exciting because mm. the whole thing can just turn on its arse in literally a second and I love that um Cyril Gain just looked incredible like yeah. just looked like a middleweight um fought the perfect fight like you're not gonna fight Derek Lewis and come out draw a line and stand and trade in the middle of the octagon are you because that's not how you want to be fighting fighters like that you need to fight fighters exactly how Cyril Gain done it you know he but just there's not many heavyweights that can no. A, he did, no. I mean, uh, the only person I can think of is another recent guest of ours that we've had is Tom Aspinall. I don't yeah. know if his movement is quite as good as Cyril Garns, but I mm. do think Tom Aspinall's got fantastic footwork and fantastic mm. movement. But that's what you need. And, and I can't think of any other heavyweight that moves anywhere close to the way Cyril Garn moves. And what's interesting as well is when we've, we've, we've not put the episode out yet, um, but we was talking uh, to uh, to Tom Aspinall um, about the heavyweight division and and timings and such and how you know in the heavyweight division the, the, the you know the the, the the top ten are generally fighters that aren't in their twenties you know are, are in their kind of mid to you know late thirties is where mm. you're seeing these champs Cyril Gain only thirty one you know he's a young lad. And not only that, he's only been doing MMA for three years. I know, it's insane. He's been doing MMA for three years. Before that, he did Muay Thai for three years. That's it. I think he was doing basketball before that. That is mental. And he was so unbelievably composed throughout the entire week. And that, that was the one point where I thought maybe maybe Garn could get some kind of TKO or knockout, but it wasn't the way it went down. It was because I was thinking to myself, Garn seems so chilled out 
for the entire week. He took everything in his stride, being the bad guy, being in enemy territory in Houston. He's got a kid due in about two weeks' time. He just seemed so chilled. He's only had nine MMA fights up until this point. And Derek Lewis was mentioning the pressure of being the hometown boy all week on the Embedded series and all of that stuff. And it did make me wonder, maybe if this is a boring affair for three rounds, you get to round four or five, Derek might go, oh, screw this. I I want the fans behind me. The fans are urging me on or they're booing the fight or something like that and would overextend and leave himself open something. Because, you know, Garn's movement is what we talk about. But he's a big heavyweight that does possess power. And I thought that could leave him open something. What I didn't expect was Garn to just chop Derek Lewis's leg to the point where Derek Lewis just seemed to just be completely out of ideas and just not know how to do Garn was just way too much for him because of the leg kicks. He didn't have any movement. It took away a lot of his power. And Derek just couldn't touch him. I think the stats were something like 116 yeah. strikes for Garn and about 12 for Derek Lewis. I'm probably yeah. not exactly right there, but that is that is roughly what it was. That's not too much of an exaggeration. 116 strikes for Garn, 12 for Derek Lewis. That's ridiculous. And I know it only takes one, but he just could not find anything on him. I thought he looked a bit lost. I really did. Um, and, and as you said, he was out of ideas. And of all them shots that, 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 that Garn was throwing, like, a lot of them weren't being thrown for any other reason than to score points. And some of them, like, low kicks weren't being thrown with venom. I'm sure they hurt when they come from a, a, you know, a, a fella that big. But there was lots of point scoring going on. And, and it was just enabling him to keep his range and keep Derek Lewis completely unsure of what was going to work and and he just like you say there was nothing coming back in the end and and I think Cyril just took his chance and yeah there we go got the strap and what a fight we've got coming up potentially yeah I I mean mean, Francis before we get on to that do you have any thoughts on what Lewis does next gets a bit of air to his balls first obviously (laughs) Uh, um Oh, I don't know. I mean, I'm just trying to think of the the division. Have you got a fight in mind? Well, I don't know if he's booked or not. I'm trying to look it up on Tapology now, but Jarzinho Rosenstrike might be a good one because he doesn't move like uh, like uh, Garn does, but he is a good, good kickboxer. Technically a better striker than uh, Lewis, I would say. Um and hits very, very hard. And that might be the kind of fight that is good for, for Derek Lewis. I don't know if Jorginho's booked or not, but I was trying to look it up. I don't know how to spell Rosenstrike well enough on Tapology to actually look this up. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think if that's not, if he's not booked, then I would really love to see that. I think that's an absolutely perfect fight. Yeah, I think so. I, I, I want Derek Lewis to have... Like I think his title contention days might be numbered. I mean, when you look at we got Garn and Engarnu coming up. You got Stepe waiting in the wings. John Jones saying he's going to start competing in 2022. Then you've got the young fighters like the Aspinalls. You still got Curtis Blades hanging around. You know, there's a lot of decent heavyweights out there. The heavyweight division is looking pretty good at the moment. Dorcas as well, I think, looks like he's a good fighter. So. I, I I wonder if Derek Lewis's title aspirations are going to have to be put on hold 
possibly indefinitely because I, I don't know that um, he's going to get title shots before another year and a half, two years, and will he still be doing it then? He's had back injuries in the past. I don't know. So I just want him to have some good fun fights where he can have fun, show his class, and uh, and try and get some big knockouts in, in some stand-up fights maybe. So that's what I'd like to see if if, if Rosenstrike isn't, uh, isn't booked up. Just um, just looking through that division, that's that is the perfect fight. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So that leaves, obviously, Cyril Francis. I mean, what I mean, a fight I, I, that I, is! It's, it's got to happen now, hasn't it? Where, where, what's what's going on with Stipe in the mix here? Is there anything? I don't know. I don't know what's going on with Stipe. I think he said he wants to put a lot of weight on because he was uh, a few stone. Uh, we mentioned this to Tom Aspinall as well. We talked about Stipe coming in like two stone lighter than Francis Ngannou mm. in the rematch. That clearly didn't work out well for him, particularly with that kind of wrestling exchange that they had where Francis stuffed that takedown very easily. Um, I think the extra weight would be beneficial for Stipe. Um, so, yeah, I... I don't know what's going on with Stipe, but I don't think he's going to jump in front of Garn. Uh, so I think it is going to be Garn versus Ngannou. And with the pandemic, you never know what's possible. We've had a London card move to Vegas recently. But if things with the pandemic get better and better over the next, say, four or five months, and Paris, who have only recently or France, like, legalised MMA. That's only happened in the last, like, year. The timing couldn't be better to do the first ever UFC in France and do it in Paris, headlined by Cyril Garn and Francis Ngannou, both of which, well, Cyril Garn is French-born, French-trained, Ngannou from Cameroon, but moved over to France, trained in France for years. He's Both of them are a product of the MMA factory over in Paris, so they will know Francis so well, which will be so intriguing and interesting in the build-up to it. Um, yeah, I, I, if they can make that happen, I know Dana White said he wants to do it, but he can't guarantee anything at the moment just because of the pandemic. But if they could do that fight in Paris... Eurostar, me and you, mate. We oh, are yeah. heading that way. Yeah. <laughs> oh, pop the Disney World on the way home. It'd be great. <laughs> I mean, that's an absolute monster of a fight. Um, I don't even want to think how that would unfold. But um, no, go on. Look, do... look we, we will. If that fight happens, we will obviously do a a pre-fight show. And there'll be yeah. months to, you know, think about it and all that. But what's your initial, your gut reaction now after seeing what you saw last night? Who wins? I mean, we'll change our minds as much as we like going down the road. But right now, who wins, Garner and Garner? Francis will close that gap a lot easier than what Derek Lewis couldn't. Mm-hmm. And and I think Cyril Garner does not want to be hit by Francis and Garner. Um, I, I think it's a really good fight, but... I can't see anybody beating Francis at the moment. Oh, so interesting because maybe it's just recency bias. I'm leaning Garn. Really? Uh, yeah, just I, I think I make you exactly right. Ngannou has got, I think, far more athleticism and ability to close the distance than Derek Lewis. Yeah. I mean, Derek Lewis can explode. I mean, he's a 
big round guy that you don't expect to be able to do that, but he can. I Uh, was watching him train and I was watching his training videos when he was boxing and his movement was brilliant and he was shutting down distance like really well. And again, I think he was just a bit, I think he had an off night. I just think he had an off night. Yeah. Well, I think, I think that Cyril Garn's movement and the way the way that he can keep away from big shots. I can, and I think sometimes Francis, I think he was better in the Stipe rematch because I think he knew he had to be. But if you look back at some of his other fights, particularly like the Jarzinho Rosenstrike one, he just was swinging wild punches, like really, really wild. And he knew if one connected, which it did, then that's it, game over. But there wasn't an awful lot of technical prowess in what he was doing in those fights. He was definitely better against Stipe, so maybe a lot of that is improving. But I think from a technical standpoint, Garn is much better than Nganu. I think Nganu will have the power, but I wonder if Nganu's kind of natural way of striking, which is less technical and it is obviously incredibly dangerous and powerful, but I think it would probably leave a hell of a lot of openings for someone as technically gifted as Garn. And I wonder if Garn could could do it. And also, has Nganu ever been five rounds except that fight that he lost against Stipe? I don't think so. Garn has against Rosenstrike, against Volkov, probably a few others. I, I think cardio-wise, Garn might have him. I think movement-wise, Garn's have it. Garn has him. I think... Somebody got caught up in the moment last night. Oh, didn't mate, they? I'm on the Garn train. <laughs> choo choo. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, look, it's another one of those fights that come the time and when you're looking at, you know, we've seen a lot of Garn over the last week and stuff, and I quite like him. Um, Let's just but... talk about that though. This last week and Garn because um, he's just—I mean, you touched on the fact that he's very composed. He's just got this really nice smile that yeah. just seems to just like constantly be on his face. I loved the fact at the um at the stare down, like um Derek Lewis like was really aggressive and like pushed right into him. And Cyril Garn just had that look of like, May we doing? <laughs> like <laughs> He just looked like sort of laughed as if to say, like, what, are you, what, are you, what are you doing, you donut? Like, and and I just thought that's a really good mindset because he didn't bite back and he didn't look uncomfortable or put off. He just, it was like, mate, why are you bothering me this? We, we'll sort it all out in there tomorrow. And and I just think that mindset carried through. And, you know, he got in that octagon and did not look like he was about to fight Derek Lewis. He looked very, very calm and confident, and as you said, totally composed. And I think we've seen people get in the octagon with, with, with fighters like Lewis and, and Francis and, and almost look beat before they've even started because these are terrifying men. They terrified each other, obviously, Derek and Francis, because they didn't throw a punch at each other when yeah. they fought. And, you know, and, and, and that... You know, as a fan as well, as I mentioned, it gets into your head and you're just thinking any given moment now, Cyril, it's going to be curtains. Like, he's going to just knock you. And he didn't. And and all that's going to do is just make Cyril Garn even more confident, even more composed when he gets in against these, you know, super high-level fighters. So, yeah, um, I'm, I'm certainly not writing off Cyril Garn uh, against Francis, but 
my, my gut just thinks that, as you said, uh, the athleticism of Francis is better than what I've seen of Derek Lewis's, and I think that could be a very important factor when they fight. I definitely think it'll be a more a, a closer, more competitive fight yeah. than what we saw last night. And as you've said, Ngannou, we say Lewis only needs one. Ngannou really does only need one, and he only needs one yeah. to just skim off you as well. I mean, you look what yeah. he did to Cain Velasquez. He didn't even catch him clean, and he knocked him out. Um, Cain Velasquez. <laughs> Do you know yeah. what I mean? I know. Yeah, that's it. He just kind of buckled under a punch that kind of skimmed him. Um, yeah. So... Yeah, I think in terms of what you were saying, I think you're absolutely right. And isn't it a trend that we're seeing lately where at the the weigh-ins or the press conferences, the one that gets the most heated is the one that loses. We saw it with Figueredo Moreno 2, where Figueredo pushed Moreno. Connor and Dustin 3. Connor was getting right up on Dustin and trying to play all those mind games and stuff. And now Derek Lewis and uh, Cyril Garn. And I wonder if... These people that are doing that, that are trying to intimidate, are they doing it to try and find a kind of chink in the armor of their opponent because they're feeling vulnerable? Is there something in that? Like, you know, we know that Figueredo has, has struggled with weight cuts before. Connor hasn't won a fight. Well, you had the Cerrone fight, I know, but that was still a while ago now. And, and a lot of people said, well, Cerrone was never at his level. So you can't really... Not that you can't count it, but it's a tricky one, isn't it, that Cerrone win? Because, yeah. you know, when you go from fighting Khabib to Cerrone and then Poirier, Khabib and Poirier are at such a higher level than Cerrone. So, yeah, that's how p- people don't view that win as highly as maybe Connor or, or the uber Connor fans would like. Um, so, yeah, these people that are kind of, pushing up against opponents, pushing people and, and really trash talking and trying to get under the skin of their opponents. And their opponents are just kind of laughing it off or looking around, as you say, going, What's, what are you doing this for? The ones that are, are doing all that, that stuff are the ones that end up losing. And you know, Cyril Garn's nickname, I think, is Borgaman, which basically means the, the happy boy or the good boy. And it's like, and you talk about him walking around with a smile on his face, and that's why that's that's what he wants to put across, just this happy guy. And and he said, no, none of it's personal. No, even within Garnu, having been at the MMA factory before, nothing's personal. This week with being the bad guy in Houston, nothing's personal. It's a sport to me. It's like going, you know, I don't think he said this exactly, but it seems like it's like going out and playing a game of basketball. It's just that I might get knocked out. But yeah, he, he just seems to take it as a sport. And he's incredibly chilled out. And that mindset seems to be really working well for him. Just still glancing down the uh, the rankings here, the heavyweight division, and you mentioned about Rosenstruck fighting um, uh, the Black Beast. Um, scheduled for September the 25th, uh, September 25th even, is uh, Rosenstruck versus uh, Curtis Blades. Ooh. Mm. So Ry- Rosenstruck Blades is September 25th. Yep. Well, if Blades wins that, Blades got sent to the Shadow Realm by Lewis only a little while ago, so I don't think that that fight win. But if Rosenstrike wins, I think him v Derek Lewis is is a perfect fight. Mm. So there you go. But that's a, that's a good one. Rosenstrike Blades would be a fun fight. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I'll just think j- just before we start to wrap it up because we've gone over the hour now. But um, if Blades wins that, where does he go? Oh God, I'd have to pull up the old the old Rankaroonies. Um But uh, if Blades, well. 
Does he try and welcome back Stipe? That'd be the best fight for Blades. Oh. I don't know if Stipe would Good want work, to... Harrison. Oh, Pulled thank... it from nowhere. Oh, yes. Um, <laughs> look, I think that'd be a fantastic fight because they both love a wrestle as well. Mm. But um, And it would definitely shoot Blades up there. I think he needs a big name win for people mm. to really take him seriously after what happened in the Derek Lewis fight and stuff. But um, whether Stipe would want to take that fight. I mean, Stipe the most win- winningest heavyweight champion there has been in UFC history. Uh, you know, he's one and one with Nganu. He's got every right to say, I want that trilogy fight straight away. Um, I I can see, and Stipe's not young either. Stipe's cracking on in age. So mm. I can see Stipe going, no, give me Nganu in the trilogy. And that's what I want. And that's it. But, but I can, I can imagine a situation where Garner's beaten Nganu and then, would he want to go straight for a belt? And let us not forget the shadow looming over this whole division is the yet to even debut in the division, John Jones. So can you imagine John Jones versus Cyril Garn? That's a fight. I think that's a better fight than Garnu Garn. Oh, I see. I, I, I'll be interested to, I, I, I think, I think John Jones would, would, would get hold of him and I think he could rag, ragdoll Cyril a little bit. Mate, maybe you're right, actually. Maybe you're right. I didn't think of the wrestling exchange because Cyril Garn doesn't have bad wrestling. I think he's fine. But again, Jones has been doing it for a decade and a bit, probably, maybe even more. Whereas Garn has, has learned so much and is so impressive to have only been doing this for three years. And he has got submission wins. His first two fights in the UFC were submission wins. And he can wrestle a bit, but he won't be at John Jones's wrestling level. So that will be interesting. But how will Jones deal with the weight? Oh, the heavyweight division maybe, is good. Maybe John Jones is, 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 you know, expected this to happen. Maybe he thought, look, this Garn lad is legit, you know, and maybe he's going to sit tight until Garn maybe beats Francis. And then John Jones thinks, that's a fight I'd much rather have to come back and get that belt than fight fucking Francis. I think, I mean, look, Francis has got the touch of death, obviously, but I think... <laughs> I wish I had the touch of death. The touch of death. <laughs> but what if, but if, what if you couldn't turn it off? What if you're like, what if you're like that, that bloke in the old Skittles advert? Where like everything you touch turns to skittle, but you're just the touch of death. Oh, high fiving people in the office and just oh, literally man. obliterating them. <laughs> it's, it's like if you ever seen those episodes of Family Guy where they've got like the Grim Reaper and he's like high fiving people and they're just dropping dead. He's like, oh, sorry. Um, oh yeah, but yes, no. Francis does have the touch of death, and thankfully he can turn it off and on at will. Um, but uh, but yeah, I, I think John Jones has fought guys before that people have said, oh, he hits so hard, he hits like a truck. And John Jones is like, yeah, I've dealt with those people before. That's this not an issue for me. And I think you've got a blueprint for beating Ngannou in the way that Stipe did it the first time. I know he couldn't do it the second time, but I think there's every possibility that he could do, John Jones could implement that kind of game plan uh, and take Ngannou down. The big thing with John Jones is how is he going to be with the weight? Is he going to move as quickly? Is he going to um, be able to to last in the fight as well? You know, putting on all this weight, is it going to in any way be of detriment to his ability as a fighter? Who knows? He's but it's getting be... older as well. Um, yeah. But it's John Jones. He just 
always pulls it off, doesn't he? Yeah, and he is an absolute... I mean, look, I have my slight issues with John Jones. I think he's been popped a lot for the whole PED stuff. I know that there was... You know, the it was Viagra, or it was a tainted supplement, or it was Jim just... Jones a, has done lots of stuff outside of that octagon, mate, that isn't particularly great. Yeah, well, yeah, you're, you're 100% correct, and that bothers me as well. But as a sports person, leaving aside hit and runs on pregnant ladies and uh, everything else he's done, um, for me, as a... From just purely... The sporting aspect of it, I think it is very difficult to not to, to think that every time he's been popped for something or they found a picogram or whatever it is, that it's all nothing. There's multiple separate mistakes on the part of USADA. I just don't buy that narrative. I I, I just think you can't have this many issues. If there's one if there's one tainted supplement and you go, hang on a minute, no, it was a tainted supplement, then maybe fair enough. Although there are people in their careers like Michael Bisping and Daniel Cormier that have never popped for anything and they've been tested absolutely loads. I I, I think if you get caught with something more than once, I I think there's there's no smoke without fire on that one. Well, oh, you, do, you disagree? do you disagree? No, no. I just think it's quite clear that we've established today that you're a little bit in love with Cyril Garn and somebody don't like John Jones. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, look, I think John Jones is a brilliant fighter. He's definitely. Oh, now he's putting that. Now you're no, going to stop. No, don't no. try. No, no, no. No, you're in there, mate. You've co- you've given him a load of math, right? You've already told me that <laughs> you, given you, you're going to be standing there. Yeah, you've already said that, like, you think it's really, really funny and you can't wait to see Colby Covington and tell him that I've called him a melt. <laughs> and, like, I can't wait for the moment, just as you're on your phone, like, doing your little tweet for UFC, standing there with your mates, Paul Craig and John Gooden, and up comes John Jones and puts it on you. Oh, mate, I'm going to be standing there just in the background filming, going, yeah, he did say that, John. He did. (laughs) (laughs) I'll stand by it. I'll stand by it. If he kills me, those will be my dying words. John, there is no smoke without fire, mate. Uh, as I, as the, my final breath leaves my I'll, body, I will, I will then take your phone and tweet John Jones' touch of death, and then get that on the next <laughs> UFC event. <laughs> uh, right, we're done, yeah. I think we're done, mate. On that bombshell, we're probably going to lose loads of fans. Of that. It's probably loads of like diehard John Jones fans that are like, no, there was this violation that Usada did, and no, he, he was he needed the Viagra. I know, I saw his penis not working, so he did need the Viagra. Oh, yeah, all right. Blah, blah, blah. Maybe it's true. Maybe it's not. But it's a lot of occasions, isn't it, guys? Um, So, yeah. All right. Bye. Bye.